We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1. The message will be relatively short this morning because at the end of the service we're going to be baptizing individuals. It's a great thing to see people follow the Lord in water baptism, amen? To see them obey that command of God and make that public confession of their faith in Jesus Christ. So it's exciting to be here today. Be back Wednesday night at 7 o'clock as well. We have uh, all ministries going Wednesday night. Impact Girls and Royal Rangers for Elementary Kids, Student Ministries for Junior High and High School. And then here in the sanctuary, we're doing the book of Revelation. We also have a men's Bible study called Man Alive and a women's Bible study called The Friendships of Women. Wednesday night from 7 to 8, so come and be a part and bring somebody with you. From the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, the apostle wrote these words, I'm beginning in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. By which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Father, we ask this morning that you'd add your anointing to the ministry of your word, speaking to the hearts and the lives of your people, bring eternal and radical change to us today. I pray for those in this room who don't know you as their Lord and Savior, and I ask that this morning they would come to a convicting knowledge of Jesus Christ and respond to your Holy Spirit. Before they leave this place, let them know you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. We've been talking about being positioned. I believe this is the seventh Sunday that we've been in this particular series. There's a lot of stuff here that we need to know and understand. The apostle wrote it this way. When we come into Jesus Christ, when we receive grace and mercy from him, he puts us in a place where we receive everything we need for life and for godliness. That means everything we need to successfully live the Christian life today and everything we're going to need to transition to eternity. Now, I don't know about you, but I like it when somebody says, you have nothing to worry about. It's all taken care of. Your needs are completely met. Just put your faith in me. That's a pretty good promise. Amen. And that's what the scripture is telling us this morning. If we will by faith accept God's word into our lives and allow the spirit of God to move within us, then we can truly say, I have everything I need for this life and to live a godly life that takes me into eternity. Oh, it's time for Christians to stop moaning and groaning about what they don't have and start standing on the word and declaring, I've read the book and the book says, I have everything I need for life and godliness. We need to understand that we've talked about Joshua being a man who understood positioning. We talked about the fact that he was courageous. And to live a Christian life in today's society and culture, you better be courageous. Because there are enemies out there who want to destroy you, who want to destroy your faith, who want to make you believe that you're a fool for trusting in Jesus Christ. You better be courageous. Then we talked about being dependable or faithful. And how it's required that we are faithful to God in order to live in this position and this promise. And today I want to talk to you about being optimistic. Let me illustrate it this way. There was a time years ago when I took two of my pastor friends 
to a very remote fourth world developing country. And neither one of them had been outside the United States, so it was a brand new experience for them. And I was kind of curious about their reactions. We spent 10 days in this country, and it was rough. It was difficult. When we came back, they said very little, and that's often the case because it takes a while to process that and really understand what you've experienced and what you just lived through. We were at a men's conference a month later. These guys were on opposite sides of the state from me and from each other, so I didn't talk to them that much in between. We were at a men's conference months later, and I heard them talking independently in separate conversations about that experience. The first pastor, someone says, well, tell me, how was it? Did you enjoy it? He said, no, it was terrible. I got there and nobody spoke my language. Well, of course they didn't speak your language, you knucklehead. And then he said, I had to sleep on a dirt floor. He said, they fed me some sort of a stew that had fish eyes and I don't even know what else in it. It was the worst experience of my life. I thought, well, I know he's never going back. Probably never going with me anywhere again. And then a little while later at the same conference, I heard the second pastor. Someone asked him, so tell us, how was it? And he said something completely different. He said, it was absolutely awesome. Nobody spoke my language, so we learned to communicate with hand gestures and facial expressions. He said, I got to sleep on a dirt floor, and I'd never done that in my entire life. He said, the food was awesome. I don't know what was in the stew they fed us, but it was really, really good. And he said, you know, it was really hot, really humid, but it allowed me to identify with the local conditions. It was one of the best experiences of my life. You see, whether we're optimistic or not really depends on you and me. Life is 10% what happens to us, 90% how we respond to it. You see, we have people of God need to determine we're going to be optimistic. We're going to be positive. We're going to speak the word of faith. We're going to believe the word of God. We're not going to allow circumstances to steal our joy and make us a bunch of sour pusses. Amen. We should be optimistic. Look at the life of Joshua in Numbers chapter 14, verses 7 through 9. Joshua is always trusting good, and it made him very optimistic, always trusting God. It says in Numbers 14, 7 through 9, now it's talking about the 12 spies coming back and giving the report to the congregation of Israel. They all spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel saying, the land we pass through is an exceedingly good land. You know, we ought to just stop right there, hadn't we? Can I tell you that everything that God has for you is good for you? Can I tell you that living Christianity is a good experience? When we believe in Jesus Christ, He's our Lord and our Savior, we can say it's a good land. Even when it's 95 degrees on September 24th and the humidity is through the roof, it's still a good land. It's still a good time to serve God. Joshua went on to say in the next verse, if the Lord delights in us, He'll bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Now you realize 10 of these guys had already said, if we go in there, we're going to die. So now Joshua and Caleb are trying to turn the atmosphere. They're trying to change the attitude in all of Israel. So he's really making a pitch to trust God. He said, do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are, are our bread. They are our bread. Their protection is departed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Twelve guys. Two were optimistic. 
Ten were pessimists. Ten said it can't be done. Ten said we're like grasshoppers in their sight. There's giants in the land. But two guys, Joshua and Caleb said, oh no, you don't understand. There are bread. What does that mean? It means that every time we fight and overcome, we're getting stronger. Every time we win a battle, we're growing in our faith. Every time we advance into the land God has promised, we are seeing God strengthen us and encourage us. Oh yeah, be optimistic. Be like Joshua. He said, they are our bread. What's the difference in those two and the other ten? One word, and that word was faith, faith. Joshua and Caleb believed that God was with them. They believed that they were able to take the land. They believed the promise of God. They choose to focus on what God had said rather than what they saw. Now, did they see the giants? Yes, they did. Matter of fact, when you fast forward about 45 years, Caleb comes back to Joshua and he says to him, give me that mountain where the giants live because Moses promised it to me. Oh, hear me. When you're a giant slayer, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. You've heard the word of God. You will stand where he's positioned you and you will believe him for victory. Some of you in this room today need to be optimistic. You need to stand where God has placed you and believe that the enemy is your bread, your strength. And every time God brings you through to victory, you get stronger and stronger and stronger. Pastor Chris can bench press like 500 pounds. I don't know why, but he does. Doesn't make any sense to my mind. He lives in the gym. I don't know why, but he does. But every time he does one of those reps... He gets stronger and stronger. Oh, listen, in the spiritual, every time you step into the arena and say, devil, you can't have it. God has given to me. I'm standing where he's put me and positioned me. You may as well turn and run because the battle is already won. God is with me. Your protection has departed from you. You're my bread. Come on, get it in your spirit. Too many times when circumstances are against us, We start poor mouthing. I have no money in the bank. I don't know how we're going to make it. Did you hear what Bill just said? He said, when we give our 10%, God blesses our 90%. And it's amazing the things that happen. Oh, come on, folks. Get in position with God and his promises and watch what he's going to do in your life. So many times when diagnoses are bad, we begin moaning and groaning, complaining. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. Of course you're not going to make it through it. But if you'll take your position in God and watch what God can do, you may go through surgery. You may go through chemotherapy. You may go through treatment. But the key is you're going to go through and God will be there with you. Come on, get it in your heart and get it in your mind. God is faithful. Joshua said they are our bread. The difference in Joshua and Caleb and the other ten was faith. What does Hebrews 11.1 say? It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. You see, the problem is we want to see it, then believe it. God says, believe it, then you'll see it. We want to see it, then believe it. But God says, believe it, then you'll see it. You see, the Bible says that we believers are a weird bunch. Because we can call the things that are not as though they are. You see, when you read Hebrews 11.1 1 from the Message Bible, it says it this way. Faith is the handle on what we can't see. 
In other words, it allows me to hang on to the promise and declare, even though I may not see it today, it's on my horizon. It's coming to pass. It's going to happen. Not because I said so or because I confessed it, because the word of God declares it to be so. Amen. Faith is the handle of what we cannot see. So we need to understand what God is doing. Now, look, we need to grow this church, folks. We've been in a battle that's lasted almost two years, 18 months, with our lender about this building and all this property. Tomorrow morning, we're going to go sign the papers that wipes out $5 million in debt, gives us a permanent loan. Oh, somebody ought to be shouting right now. Come on, somebody ought to be excited right now. Gives us a permanent loan structure, lets us sell off the plaza and be the church God has called us to be. That doesn't happen except we took our position, we stood, and we said, I don't see it yet, but I know it's coming. It's on the horizon. It's going to happen. God will take that which was intended for evil and turn it into good. Oh, somebody hear me. Be optimistic. Be optimistic. Let God arise faith in your spirit in such a way that people say, wow, when that person has a problem, they're still smiling. In the book of Daniel, chapter 6, it tells the story of King Darius and how the other governors set up and got him to pass a rule that said you can't pray to any God except you because they wanted to get rid of Daniel. And he went in and signed it and then he realized, oops, I shouldn't have done that. Because I love Daniel. Daniel's a good guy. But it was a decree. It was law. He had to carry through. So when you read it in Daniel chapter 6, it says that when Daniel heard about that law being passed, he went back to his home, his apartment, threw open the windows, and cried out in prayer to the living God. He said, you want to throw me in the lion's den? Let's go ahead and see who's boss. And you can read it in Daniel chapter 6. Verses 16, King Darius, who was an unbeliever, but he had seen something in Daniel's life that he wanted to emulate that was positive. And he said to him, Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, is able to deliver you. That's coming from an unbeliever. What am I saying? I'm saying we need to live our lives with such optimism, with such faith, that when unbelievers see problems coming towards us, they're speaking into our lives. They're saying, hey, the God you serve, he's going to see you through. The God you serve, he's going to deliver you. The God you talk about, he will be faithful to you. Oh, come on, somebody. Do you hear what I'm saying today? Live your life in such a way that those who don't know him will speak it back to you that your God is able. That's the way you need to live optimistically. When you are positioned, you can do that. And then you know the story. Sure enough, they threw him in the lion's den. And then the king came back and said to him in verse 20, Daniel, has the God you serve been able to deliver you? And what did Daniel say in verse 21? He said, oh, king, God has sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. Oh, come on, somebody. Let the world testify to the power of your God because of your walk and your witness. Daniel chapter 3, it's the story of the three Hebrews. You know the story. They're supposed to bow before that idol that Nebuchadnezzar set up. They refused to do it. And he said, if you don't bow, you're going to burn. What did they say? They said, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. The God we serve is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're going to serve him anyway. We're going to serve him anyway. We're going to serve him anyway. 
And then you know the story. They went back and looked. And the king said, I don't see three men bound like we threw into the fire. But I see four loose and walking about. And the fourth, oh come on somebody, the fourth is like unto the Son of God. I'm here to tell you, when you stand where you're positioned, when you're optimistic about faith in God, then you know God shows up. He's going to walk through the fire with you. It says they pulled him out of that fire. There were not, their hair was not singed. Their clothes were not burned. There wasn't even the smell of smoke on them. That's pretty much a miracle, isn't it? And then verse 30, Nebuchadnezzar, that unbelieving God, said, Only God can deliver like this. No other God can do what your God has done. Can I say it one more time? Live your life with such optimism and faith in God that those who don't know him will speak back to you the fact that your God won't fail you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will see you through. Oh, come on, church. Live as a living witness. Position where God has placed you to be. Joshua was an eternal optimist. He was constantly encouraging the people of Israel. Listen to me. This is for somebody in this room today. You need to dial down your spirituality. You need to dial up your optimism. Listen to me. There's a lot of folks that don't need a word. They don't need a prophecy. You know what they need? They need somebody to walk up to them and say, Sydney, I love you today. I'm praying for you. I'm encouraging you. They need someone to speak a word of life into their being. We are so spiritual, we forget we are here to be ambassadors of the Most High God. Be optimistic. Speak life into those around you. People need to know that what they're going through isn't going to happen forever. Seasons change. Circumstances change. They need someone to tell them, if you'll be faithful, God is going to help you. And tomorrow won't look like today. Come on, be optimistic. Stand in faith and allow God to move through you. The book Outdoor Survival Skills, Larry Olson tells the story of a guy who'd been lost in the desert for days. Out of food. No water. Crawling across that desert floor, his hands are lacerated, his legs and his knees cut up from the rock and the sand. His eyes bloodshot from the heat and from the horrible sand that blows in the desert. Says he crawled to the top of a hill, looking out, hoping to see water. Hoping to see a place of oasis. But instead, all he saw was more wasteland. And then he said these words. A few more days like this and I might get discouraged. What do I tell you that story? Because too many of us on the first day get discouraged. Oh, come on. Take your position in God. And when the enemy comes against you, no, like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. Because you are more than conquerors. Take your position in God and stand and see what God is going to do. Pastor Mike, would you come back? Baptismal candidates, would you simply exit right now and get ready for baptism? Secondly, Joshua was an encourager. He encouraged those around him. Joshua chapter 24, verses 13 and 15. As he is coming to the close of his life, these are his words to Israel. I've given you a land for which you did not labor, cities which you did not build, You dwell in them, you eat of the vineyards and the olive groves which you did not plant. Can I pause and say, every good thing you have is from the Lord. You may not be living in a vineyard that you didn't plant, but you're living in a house that God provided. 
You're wearing clothes that came because of his generosity. You have money in your account because God is a good God. You're driving a car because God has provided for you. Every good thing comes from God. Verse 14, he went on to say, Now therefore fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Verse 15, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He said, I'm going to stand where I've been positioned. I'm going to give thanks and glory and honor and obedience to the one who got me here. As for me and my house... We're going to serve the Lord. Sometimes, my friend, you've got to come back and say, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. As for my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Sometimes you have to learn to encourage yourself. You'll find that story in 1 Samuel chapter 30, the story of David and his ragtag army coming back to the city of Ziklag, which was in the land of the Philistines where they made home. And when they came back from a raid on their enemies, their wives, their livestock, their children, everything was gone. It had been ravaged by an enemy, taken away. The Bible says that the men that followed David were so distraught, they were talking about killing him. They were talking about killing David. And when you read the story, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, David encouraged himself in the Lord. He drew strength from God. He reminded himself, God is my helper. God is my source. God is my shield. He allowed God to strengthen him. There are sometimes, friend, when you just got to take yourself by the nap of the neck and you've got to say, shake up, get over it, get out of your funk and to put your trust in God. David said it this way in Psalm 103. And I believe that's exactly what was happening. You can almost see it. He grabs himself by the nap of the neck. And he says, hey boy, this is what you're going to do. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name, who heals all your diseases, forgives all your iniquity. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. What is he saying? Sometimes you've got to encourage yourself. Listen, it may be Monday. 7 a.m. And you can't come to church. You better learn how to encourage yourself. You better learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord and in what God has done for you. In Acts chapter 9 and chapter 11, there's a story of Barnabas who chose to be an encourager of Saul. You know the story of Saul. He persecuted the church. He imprisoned believers. He held the coats of those who stoned Stephen to death. And then he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. After that encounter, it's his remarkable salvation. He came back to Jerusalem because he wanted people to see, look what God has done in me. But the Bible says in Acts 9, the believers in Jerusalem didn't trust him. They were afraid of him. But I am so glad that there was a Barnabas who could be in Paul's life. And Barnabas took Paul and he began speaking encouragement into his life. Verse 27 of Acts chapter 9, he believed in Paul. There are some people in this room, some people in your life, they need you to believe in them. They need you to put faith and trust in. They need you to speak into their lives and encourage them. 
Secondly, he befriended Paul, verse 27. Verse 27 says he also brought Paul in. He wasn't going to let him stay on the outsides, ostracized. Listen, here's the key. He wasn't going to let his past determine his future. Some of us need to be there. You can't let your past determine your future. When you come to Jesus Christ, everything changes. Behold, all things are new in him. So stop moaning about your past and look towards your future. Can I tell you, I'm so sick and tired of people sharing negative testimonies about where I used to be. Come on, God delivered you. He brought you out of the miry clay. He set your feet on the rock to stay. We don't need to hear the gory details of your sinful life. What we need is for you to give praise and glory and say to the Most High God, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not the woman I once was. I've been delivered. I've been set free. The chains are gone. God is moving in my life. Be an encourager. Barnabas brought him in and then he, verse 27, he bragged on Paul. Somebody in this room, you need to hear that because there's folks in your life you need to brag on. Stop ragging on them and start bragging on them. And watch what happens. Watch the transformation that occurs. He then bound himself to Paul in verse 28. And then you jump to chapter 11 And he said, come on, Paul, we're going to go to Antioch and we're going to do ministry together. And from Antioch, where they ministered a whole year together, they then went out on the first missionary journey. Why? Because Barnabas was an encourager. Can I encourage you to be an encourager today? Can I ask you to speak into someone's life words of life? Words of life. A few weeks ago, Yvonne and I met at Panera over here on Thomasville Road for lunch. Uh, we were sep- we were in separate places, so she drove and I rode the motorcycle over there. She was already inside the restaurant when I got in. I walked up to her, gave her a kiss and a smile, and then we walked up to order. There's this real pretty African-American girl behind the counter. She was smiling from ear to ear. And she said, I saw you walking across the parking lot, and I knew that you were with her. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And then she said, you are the cutest couple. And I thought, wow, I needed that today. Speaking encouragement into my life. Now, I know she's cute. She's beautiful. But I don't apply that to me. You understand that, right? I've lived all my life on dirt roads. I'm pretty ugly, pretty worn out, pretty used up. But that gal's beautiful. But I loved it. That little girl didn't have to do that. She didn't have to speak those words into our lives. But she chose to. You're the cutest couple. Can I encourage you to be an encourager today? Can I encourage you to simply look for something positive and speak it into somebody's life? When you go out today to the restaurant, look for someone to encourage. When you go to the grocery store this afternoon, and God forbid that you have to, but many of you do, look for somebody to encourage. If you go to Walmart on Sunday night, and I pray your deliverance because that's a bad place on Sunday night, speak encouragement into someone's life. Come on, church, it's time to change the way we think and respond to circumstances Because of who we are and where we stand. We are positioned to be optimistic. We are positioned to be encouragers. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this room this morning. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I've never heard faith explained like this. And I didn't realize that I could be optimistic and positive. I thought it was all about wearing a long face and dark clothes and 
Being forced to do religious things. No, friend, it's about being positioned in Jesus Christ. So that it gives to you everything you need for life and for godliness. You're here this morning, your heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You say, that's me. I want to accept the Jesus who brings those kind of changes in me, who forgives my sin, who gives me eternal life, but allows me the power and the ability to live for him every day. That's you. Right where you sit, just slip up your hand and hold it there for just a moment. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Slip it up and hold it there just a moment. Just a moment. So wait just a minute. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Stand your feet with me across the room this morning, everyone. The two of you raise your hand. I want you to step out right now. Come right down here with me. We're going to pray with you. We're going to pray for you. Just step out and come. Don't wait for anybody else. Come on. This is the greatest day of your life. Meet me right down here. Come on. Don't wait for anybody else. We're going to pray for you this morning. Yes, amen. Come on, young lady. She's led the way. She's showing courage. Come on, gentlemen. Yes, amen. Thank you. Come on down. Anyone else you want to join us, we're going to pray. God's going to do a work in your life today. Can I get some elders and deacons right over here to pray with these individuals too, please? Pastor Mike, would you come and help us? We're going to pray a prayer. It's a simple prayer. It's your response to God in faith. And as you pray it, if you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and he rose again from the dead as your Savior and as your Lord, he will forgive you. He will transform you. He will change you. So will you pray with me right now? And if you're sitting out there, you need to pray this prayer. Do it right where you stand. Just ask God to come into your life. Dear Jesus, pray it out. I am a sinner. I need a Savior. And I can't save myself. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. Forgive me. Change me. Make me your son. I ask you to forgive me and to change my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.